Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, your host. With us today is military author, game designer, and the editor of Strategy Page, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us today is columnist, author, and a Strategy Page associate editor, retired Colonel Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. We've been writing quite a bit about the South China Sea um, at Strategy Page for the last, uh, well, for a long time, but recently we've uh, talked about it quite a bit. Uh, one is uh, the Philippines is uh, a little bit, the Philippines can't decide what if China's their friend or their en- enemy, so maybe they're a frenemy, Jen? Uh, best. <laughs> <laughs> No, the problem with with uh, with China and the Philippines is, and again, we cover Philippines, you know, regularly for have done for almost twenty years, uh, is that they uh, they they have a fundamental fear of China, as they did with Japan. Uh, in fact, there's there's better revisionism to you know, colonial history going on in the Philippines, where a lot of uh, Filipinos are pointing out that look, we we we, we moaned and groaned about the Americans. Uh, not leaving like they did in Cuba, you know, after they took over Cuba, they left after a couple of years. Uh, but they stayed in the Philippines. And at the time, the you know, United States said, look, the only reason we're doing this is because if we leave, you got uh, Germany, uh, you know, uh, 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 even then Japan was getting, you know, aggressive and what have you, France. There were other powers that could just easily move in and take over. So we keep our promises, which we did, delayed one year, you know, uh, by World War II, you know, giving, uh, uh, you know, uh, making, you know, uh, uh, Philippines sovereign again. Um, and they remembered that favorably, but now they're remembering that the reason we stuck around in the first place was not any, you know, imperialism, but simply, you know, say, you know, we can't liberate these people from the Spanish just to walk away and let them be grabbed by some other people who might be even worse. And of course, the Japanese got to the the Japanese moved into World War II, and the Filipinos said, "Yeah, you know, something is worse than the Americans." Um, so they basically are trying to balance being realistic. That's Duterte, Duarte, you know, the, the current president. Um, the uh, he basically said, "Look, we can't fight them." And this was, of course, during the you know the Obama years. Uh, when you know the America was getting sort of wishy-washy on whether or not we would we would basically go to bat for the Philippines despite our our treaty, uh, but now you know Trump came in and suddenly a lot of Filipinos are saying, "Hey, Duterte, you know I, it's cool. We understand what you were doing, but now we have somebody with some you know gumption. You know we'll keep uh, America's word, uh, and so the Filipinos are getting encouraged by that. In addition, Japan." is rattling its sabers, and it has a lot of sabers. It has the strongest armed forces, uh, second to only to uh, China, and the Chinese realize that. In fact, the Japanese uh, Navy, uh, which is now uh, getting rid of the World War II restrictions on what the Navy can do, uh, you know, offensively or, or outside of, uh, you know, uh, Japanese waters, is, uh, is worrying the Chinese a lot, because they know the American fleet can come in, but they also know that the Japanese are there. So suddenly it's changed. Suddenly a lot of Filipinos are saying, hey, we're not just going to roll over and hope they, you know, uh, leave us alone because they won't. 
there's already been uh, China, uh, when it was arguing with the, uh, the Filipinos at one point, they unleashed their historians, which they deploy occasionally. Um, and they, one of the historians pointed out, well, actually, the Philippines belongs to China. And they thought that would, bing, snap the Filipinos back to attention. But basically, it scared more Filipinos than it, than it uh, subdued. And so that's what's going on there. Um, Austin, do you have any comments on the Philippines and China? Well, well uh, look, uh, I think the uh, coverage that uh, we've had, I'm going to, you know, give uh, uh, our strategy page a, a little pat uh, on the uh, back on this. Uh, from you know, the strategy page went online in 1999. You can see back in the files uh, and uh, the comments on the island uh, building program, or let's say the maritime territory acquisition moves that uh, China was making uh, in the early and in the mid part of the of the last uh, decade. The tracks are in there. And then you also see the acceleration that starts 2009-2010, where they re really start building uh, islands in uh, disputed zones. Now, understand, in the early 90s, actually in 88, there's a, a big... Uh, a, a, a conflict between China and Vietnam uh, in, in the Paracels. There was one in 1974 when China pushed South Vietnamese forces out of, uh, of the disputed uh, island. But in 1988, it's between China and Vietnam, communist Vietnam, North Vietnam, the winner of the Vietnam War, no more uh, South Vietnam. But then there's a they have a brush up in 1992 between China and uh, Vietnam in the in the paracels and yes there's already exploration going on for uh oil and gas in 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 that region but china is also moving into the spratleys and into uh areas that are well within uh filipinos the philippines exclusive economic zone the eez and 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 within long recognized uh, filipino territory and when they get back to what strategy page did, you'll find places in there where we're already uh, we're talking about that. So that's almost like you've got uh, historical footnotes there uh, online to go back. And even though we weren't on on online in, in the 1990s, you can see how this move down south, directed south from the Chinese coastline from Hainan Island, and you know China does have some islands uh, in the northern part of the South China Sea. In the Paracels, there's a, a couple of uh, Paracel Islands that are, that, are, that are Chinese islands. But this march in, in, in down to south, and I, I want to say, Dan, there's uh, something I put up on strategy page. I'm going to take a swag at it uh, nine, ten years ago, that this is a march uh, to the Straits of Malacca. I know I've written that in, in columns uh, since 2012, uh, but I think that we've got some strategy page at, uh, uh, material on that uh, going back a couple of years uh, before that. Uh, march down to what is one of the most vital uh, uh, choke points for international trade uh, in, in the world. 
Now, the South China Sea itself, this figure is, is boggling, but it's reasonably accurate. Accurate enough. I'm sure Jim's going to chuckle when I say it. Between four and a half and five trillion dollars a year in goods. Well, that's obviously five hundred billion dollars. But traveled through the South China Sea, coming and going between East Asia and Africa, Suez Canal, and, and the like, or coming from Africa, Southwest Asia, through all in, in, into the Central Pacific. And there's, of course, traffic that moves through there that goes on to the uh, U.S. West Coast and uh, Canada and, and, and South America. This is a the, – the, the, the sea area is extraordinarily important to international trade. There's, there's just no doubt about, about that. Singapore – and the Strait of Malacca, and Singapore is, I mean, if you controlled parts of, of, of Sumatra or uh, Malaysia, you can shut the strait down uh, 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 further west. But Singapore is really regarded internationally as the choke point for the, for the Strait of Malacca, uh, connecting the Indian Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. Now, why does China think it needs to, this is the, the strategic question that, uh, maybe the answer is simple, and uh, Jim and I have discussed that answer before on on strategy talk. Why does China think it needs to have physical control over the South China Sea and eventually be able to, if I'm not saying invade Singapore, but if they've got the Navy and the islands, which are essentially uh, static aircraft carriers. Now they've already got bases on what, Jim? At least three of them, four of them that are capable handling a high-performance aircraft. Then uh, you know, strike strike aircraft. Well, we, we don't we don't have to worry about that as much as they have installed the, the anti-ship cruise missiles, oh, which no, have a range of six hundred right, kilometers. Right, right. But and, I mean, and they, and, and they, area denial. Well, this is this is an important point. Yeah. The Chinese have been putting up uh, networks. You know, constellations of observation satellites. Now, they say that they're, you know, resource monitoring, you know, multi-spectrum, which they are. But as long as they give you 24-7 coverage over a certain area, they basically uh, let you know who's where. They provide targeting for ballistic missiles as well as cruise missiles. Yeah, they can yeah. spot carrier task groups. And they have installed these new cruise missiles on uh, on the Spratly and Paracel Islands, and they basically cover. They have they have created a choke point in the South China Sea. They can cover any ship from the Chinese from Hainan to the Philippines. So what do you well, got there? You well, got a, uh, choke. Oh, you've 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 got a double choke, I suppose. You, you exactly. Well, no, you got a yeah. Chinese Chinese choke point. They're worried about a choke point in the Straits of Malacca, which is very real. But in the meantime, they have quietly created a military, you know, uh, kill zone, as it were, no-go zone. If they chose to, they basically could basically tell everybody, well, and, and, you, you, you go there at your own risk, and boom, they blow up a few ships, and bingo. You know, we got a real mess. And that, that fits in with something, Dan, that uh, we have been writing about for the last 15 years. Uh, A2, AD, anti-access, uh, area denial, what Jim's just described is uh, anti-access 
that they they they've uh, that China has achieved to a high degree uh, using uh, sophisticated anti-ship missiles and these uh, directional ballistic missiles. Uh, that the so-called carrier killers and the entire tar- target acquisition and, and, and targeting uh, network. Now, I guess I'm going to get kinetic just for a second. There are ways to deal with those islands and deal with them very quickly with certain kinds of weapons that the United States uh, possesses, uh, air-delivered weapons among, uh, among them, or uh, sub-missiles and the like, to ju- just to simply flatten the island. But that's all-out war between the United States and China. So I'll step back from that, because uh, Jim described what China could do as a, a, a anti-access, area denial, but try to stop the U.S. Navy, but also shut down commerce going through there. As he said, they've got a, 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 a choke point, built their own choke, uh, choke point uh, of a type. Uh, China moved to the South China Sea, and this is the way I, I portray it. I've done this in, a, in about four columns, but uh, the third chapter of my new book that's coming out later, uh, later, later this year, which is about China and the South China Sea, but also China's uh, uh, Belt and Road Initiative, uh, and it's uh, the specifically the the belt that's that's uh, on land moving uh, through Central Asia. Um, it's a meeting engagement, slow meeting engagement, strategic meeting engagement between China and the United States. It's what we're witnessing in the South China Sea. Now, who's going to back off? The United States isn't going to back off because we're a trading nation and look at all of our allies now Jim talked a little bit about the way the Philippines are are, are balancing you ask the, the question about Duterte is a so-called open to China uh, uh, initiative which he carried on for 14 15 months even though it seems to have gone uh, gone cold the Philippines are back to touting the uh, Hague Arbitration Court uh, decision that they got in 2016 that said what China had done uh, in uh, the Philippine EEZ was illegal, beyond law, lawless, and uh, and also committed essentially robbing fishing grounds. Uh, and, and, And that's Duterte backed off and using that as a, a political and diplomatic uh, uh, cudgel for a while. But now it seems to be back on, uh, on the table. It's not just the Philippines. Singapore has become a critical U.S. Uh, 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 ally. Indonesia and Malaysia want uh, backup. France and Great Britain are telling us that in the next two or three years, they're going to start conducting naval patrols. Uh, They're going to call them freedom of of navigation operations or just standard issue Navy patrols. I don't know. But uh, we run FONOPs all the time because we totally contest China's claim that these islands are Chinese territory with Chinese territorial waters when they didn't even exist a decade ago, they were islets or reefs, and they've been you know, built into man-made art- uh, artificial islands. And China's got a huge investment in, in those uh, islands, Dan. 
They've got a huge investment in topping them with the weapons that Jim described. And the United States has a huge military, trade, and political investment in the entire region. Is this, have I described something that could be a, a flashpoint? Jim, is that a flashpoint? Well, technically, yes, but again, we've got to keep in mind that the Chinese strategy now and for a long time has been long term. Uh, and right now, they're not thinking of making any decisive moves until they can, it sounds like Japan in 1941. It does. Uh, and, until, until, until they can strike a decisive blow. And they believe currently that by 2030, by the 2030s, they may likely have a decisive military advantage. Uh, and at that point, you know, uh, making a demonstration, as it were, carries a lot more weight than it does now. Of course, the other problem they have is they have to basically end it quickly, as the Japanese found out, uh, because their economy is dependent on trade now. In the past, that was never the case. I mean, this is a unique situation in Chinese history. And that basically gave them pause. There's a lot of debate inside of China. You know, they're talking about the old empire for thousands of years. You know, China basically had a policy of uh, we can do everything we need ourselves. That's why when they sent out the exploration fleet in the, what, the 1400s before, it was before Columbus, uh, they went all the way to Africa with these huge ships they built. Uh, and when they came back and reported to the emperor, he said, okay, burn the ships, file away the reports. Because they said, look, there's nothing out there we need. In the meantime, Europe had undergone the Renaissance Whereas undergoing the Renaissance and the Age of Enlightenment, and then worst of all for China, the Industrial Revolution. And that's what really caught them short. And they only really started catching up, you know, on the Industrial Revolution in the 1980s. You know, we, we, we tend to miss that. When China, when the Chinese communists took over in the late 1940s, China had not yet really entered the Industrial Revolution. And then Mao decided to have, to have another, you know, other revolutions, cultural revolutions, big leap forward and whatnot. They all flat fell on their face. And, and a lot of Chinese, they, enough of them realized that, you know, the, the damn, you know, uh, Western barbarians, they got something here. You know, so we'd be wise. And, and they had trotted out the usual, you know, ancient Chinese scripts saying, you know, you, you learn from an idiot or a barbarian, whatever. Um, and... Uh, they didn't start really, you know, in, in implementing the Industrial Revolution uh, until the 1980s, about 30, 40 years ago. Uh, in, in, and look in, at the progress they've made. Well, in 1975, and he doesn't state it as four modernizations, let me stipulate that, but it's Zhou Enlai, yeah. Mao's great lieutenant at a party Congress in, uh, in, in China, Communist Party uh, Congress, says we must modernize. And he says we need better science, uh, industry, agriculture. Okay. Two, three years later, Deng Xiaoping, who's, he, remember he always called himself the vice premier when it was clear he was in charge. He was president in charge. Whoever, whoever's in charge of Deng Xiaoping didn't exist, but he, he was still calling himself the vice pre, uh, premier or whatever. Uh, articulates the four modernizations. And he, in, in, internally in China, he says, hey, Joe said we had to modernize. So you know, even though Deng is, is uh, countering Mao and and uh, the hardline communism, 
uh, he's he's a, Joe, the mo- one of the most respected of China's 20th century leaders. He said we had to modernize, and, and we most, do. And most famously, he said it is glorious to get rich. Uh, and he basically and, changed the laws or practices, as it were, to allow the entrepreneurs to go to work. And the one thing he up. doesn't change is party control, though, Jim. Well, and exactly. That, but that's the problem. They let's it, say in, in, in Chinese history, uh, you know, democracy never really happened in China. What happened during the after the uh, you know the uh, in 2012 the revolution, the Song Revolution, that never got going. That broke out into a civil war. You had the Japanese, etc., and of course it fell apart uh, in the late 1940s when the communists took over. So you know there was no break, as it were, in absolute rule. Now there was the Tiananmen Square, you know, uh, uh, demonstrations you know, in, in 1989. They were crushed, erased from uh, as much as they could, you know, from the, the record books, which the Chinese had done numerous times in the past. Um, and uh, and basically they said, look, get rich, get happy, uh, just, you know, uh, obey the emperor. Uh, and for Chinese, you know, who have, you basically, you know, uh, have can trace their lineage back, you know, centuries. Well, OK, you know, if the emperor says so, he doesn't leave us alone. I mean, he leaves us alone, doesn't bother us. There's a lot of corruption. But now the Communist Party is making a big deal of going after corruption. Of course, it's usually, you know, uh, corruption against uh, the, the rule of, uh, you know, the president for life, Xi. Um, but uh, the Chinese, the majority of Chinese, and, and, you, and you don't need, a, you, don't need you know, a fair opinion, opinion poll to see this because you, uh, the CIA has long been uh, monitoring the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Chinese Internet, you know, even though it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it can be shut down. It's, you know, it's a lot of censorship. Um, there are metrics you can apply uh, to, to judge uh, what people are really thinking, and the Chinese know that too. Uh, most Chinese are perfectly willing to uh, let the government do whatever it was as long as it doesn't interfere with their, their newfound prosperity. And for most Chinese... This is the first time ever they've been this wealthy, this well off. Now, they're complaining, and they can go out and do it openly, which you could never do before, about the pollution, the air pollution, you know, the ground pollution, and what have you. And the government is paying attention. So they, as far as the Chinese are concerned, okay, we don't have the democracy, you know, you have in the West, but we can get our government to pay attention, you know, and that's all that counts, because for most Chinese— in two generations, a lot of most Chinese families have gone from abject poverty to, you know, middle class. A car, a flat screen TV, or their own house or apartment. I mean, that is, you know, the shock has to wear off before there's going to be any fundamental change in China. Because as far as they're concerned, the good times are rolling and we, you know, we owe it to the emperor, which they still call that Chinese. A lot of them call, you know, the, the emperor. Uh, it's, it's half out of respect, half out of, you know, joking. Who are they kidding? They're a bunch of commie, you know, dictators. But that's that's more apparent in the West than it is in China itself, where, you know, hey, and you know, a, a, a dictatorial government in, uh, in in Beijing, what's new? What what Jim's described down you know, notice every time he he, he comes up. And, and, and pointed out as getting wealthy, as long as it continues, they're really enjoying it. Part of the reason they've gotten wealthy is they have engaged the world, something that Deng Xiaoping 
understood was going to happen. It's one reason that he in the 80s was saying we're going to need a navy because we're we're going to start our our trade international trade. We're we're going to have to be able to to uh, uh, protect our uh, our shipping. Uh, we're going to have to be able to police pirates. I mean, this does this has come out. There's several books that that that, that deal with this uh, this change from uh, China being overwhelmingly a land power to something in between. In other words, having naval and and and, and air forces because it's becoming a trading nation. War is going to damage the Chinese money machine. Uh, and that's that's what part of of what uh, that that metaphor I use riding the Tiananmen Tiger, uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, Xi and his uh, and and his cohort can remain in charge. I think, and Jim's described described why for a number of cultural and political uh, uh, reasons, as long as the Chinese people enjoy gain wealth and enjoy their wealth. And that means they're going to have to, good gosh, trade with the South Koreans and the Japanese. Uh, assure this is something where you get into a a, 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 a a lot of uncertainty on this. But assure supplies, assure energy supplies. And are they going to take it by invading Kazakhstan and going to war with Russia? Okay, that's one one uh, possibility i'm not saying that's going to happen i just toss that out as a uh, as a something that certainly the russians and kazakhs have uh, have thought about or are they going to build pipelines all the way to iran and iraq maybe even the mediterranean littoral uh, and have uh, so that they don't have to rely on uh, liquefied na- uh, natural gas and uh, oil uh, being shipped uh, by sea from the uh, from Southwest Asia. Well, they claim that's what they're going to do. They build them, they gain influence, but that's also a vulnerability. And why why are they doing it? Because they want to keep the economic engine going. So when I said that it's, it is a, a strategic meeting engagement, it is. But what's what's curious about it? And uh, Jim, I think this is what you were alluding to, and this is something I, I mentioned in the in the in, in my my new book. It's it's a collision between the world's biggest economy and the U.S. is going to be that, uh, Dan. In my view, for uh, several more decades, China's got some internal restructuring problems that where you that's why you read in many places about has China's economy plateaued. That's the word used for it. First and second, and then on the t- side of the first is the third largest, Japan, and, and South Korea is number 12 right now. And South Korea and Japan and the United States do an over uh, uh, trade uh, with, uh, with China and among themselves. Uh, a real war is a recipe for uh, impoverishment, mutual impoverishment. Does Beijing understand that? I think they do. Do they understand that, Jim? Yes. In fact, one thing that, again, most Americans don't realize about the Chinese studied World War II, uh, well, not uh, a long time ago, but quite recently they reexamined. And one thing they noticed was that during World War II, the United States was in the position that Chinese had been in for, for thousands of years. The United States was self-sufficient. 
We were a major trading you know, country even then, but we produced everything that we needed ourselves. And basically during World War II, we were doing more exporting than importing. Uh, and, and, and that's how we won the war. And the Chinese admire that. I mean, and they feel that, you know, we're, we're stupid by uh, not carefully examining uh, what dependencies we've created overseas, especially in China. And, of course, we're discovering that now, you know, with the railroads, with certain electronic components and what have you. Um, and uh, and they may exploit that, but in the f- some future, you know, uh, confrontation. But you're right. The Chinese will remain vulnerable to economic disruption, much more vulnerable than the United States. Again, that's one of the advantages of a democracy. Yeah, you know, the people say, "Look, we have, we have, we have a, we have a, a vote in any decision, uh, a stake, as it were. Uh, it's our government. It's not, you know, some, you know, self-perpetuating uh, 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 imperial dynasty, which a lot of people consider the, you know, the current uh, Chinese uh, government to be. That's why they call this, the the children, the sons of the uh, uh, the senior people, the princelings, and what have, and and say unflattering things uh, about their antics and what have you, but." The fact of the matter is, the Chinese are aware of that too, uh, and and what they see is their biggest uh, uh, objective is to not, you know, fall afoul of the lessons of history. So as Austin says, you know, yes, they want the Obar, the One Belt One Road uh, land route, uh, to give them basically a backup, uh, because right now they're screwed uh, if they lose control access to the seas. Uh, but they feel in a couple of decades. You know, they can basically turn Eurasia into their, you know, Middle Kingdom, the old Middle Kingdom, where they can just bring everything overland if necessary. Uh, and they don't really, I guess they're not really comfortable depending upon the sea. I mean, that's a that's a big thing in Chinese, you know, tradition and folklore and what have you. Um, but, you know, right now uh, they depend on the deep water access and South China Sea is basically uh, their effort to... Uh, to guarantee as much of it as possible. Well, the the other thing is is that this gets into a military aspect of, of what China faces with its its coastline and having South Korea, Japan, Okinawa, Taiwan too. They you know, intend to recover that province. But if you want to mine every major Chinese uh, seaport by dropping aerial mines or delivering them by missiles or the like, that is, um, it's, it's not easy, but it can be done. It's not that hard comparing to trying to uh, seal uh, seal the United States off from, <laughs> from uh, sea access. Uh, China has, as they say, island chains that they, they feel are, they're hemmed in. Uh, Japan and uh, South Korea, Philippines, hem them in, and this is a, something the Chinese, uh, uh, Ch- well, Chinese military writes about it, but also some of the, uh, you'll, you'll see this in Chinese trade, worried in, in Chinese trade uh, 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 discussions about, well, let's, uh, we, we we aren't guaranteed access, maybe we need to protect ourselves. But that's the and I start talking to, uh, justifying uh, imperialist expansion and and to go back to the really the core reason Dan I think you want to talk about this is that China really has uh, 
uh, aggressively taken and annexed uh, maritime maritime zones that belong to b- legally belong to the Philippines and Vietnam. It's done it, and it's yes, and, and, paid, and paid a very small price for doing it. And what's interesting is, as recently as 2002, they basically signed an agreement with Ace, the Asian nations, right? Uh, right. Uh, to basically, you know, observe all the uh, the international uh, agreements as 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 regards to you know offshore rights and things like that. And so, you know, you can't trust them. <laughs> it makes the, you know, a, a national advantage, as it's it were. Ill, but it's illegal. I mean, what they've done, you know, they've, they've, you want to talk about somebody breaking a, a, a treaty. They broke it. I know. And, but, the, and, but, the, but, the, but the point is, uh, the Chinese look at their history where these agreements were never set in stone. They were set in paper, and paper is very fragile. Uh, yeah. There's a strong, undoubtedly, at least one you know, uh, you know proverb about that. But be that as it may, that's the way the Chinese roll. Uh, they have long-term planning and a lot of fancy, you know, tactical maneuvering, you know, between here and there. But they never lose sight of their long-term goal. Uh, and of course, for it, in, for it, for basically an imperial dynasty, which the Communist Party is. Uh, long term, the goal is to stay in power. That's another old Chinese saying. <laughs> I might, one last thought before we go, though, Dan, is that there were ways to have done this, and they probably, I think they could still be negotiated. Vietnam, even after they had two bloody clashes in the paracels with China. I remember Vietnam defeated China in that border war in 1979. That was a big wake up to the uh, to the Chinese army, by the way, uh, when they saw what the Vietnamese could, uh, did to them in that uh, month long bloodletting. After after bloody clashes in the paracels, Vietnam told China, "Yeah, we think just like you do, and we hope that there are oil and gas, you know." Uh, economically viable oil and gas deposits in these islands. In Ireland, you're welcome to it. You invest in it, go after it, you'll get your share and we get a royalty. That the, that didn't fly with Be- with Beijing. It would have been a straight up deal. Uh, and that's that is a that's a disturbing sign. Now that when when was that, Jim? I, that was almost 15, 16 years ago. That that. China well, actually, actually there's still, there are still skirmishes, as it were. You know. Well, uh, I, I, I know the that. Oil, I'm, oil drilling. I'm uh, about yes, the deal, yes. The, the deal yeah. that Vietnam wanted. Yeah, well, to, well, to, yeah no, no, and that's the reason why. Um, that's the reason why China, uh, Vietnam, basically uh, uh, took a full turn to the United States. I mean, basically, Vietnam did what FDR. If he were still alive at the end of the war, that was his plan. He basically sided with the anti-colonialism block in the State Department, which was the minority block. The majority said, look, let the Europeans have their overseas adventures back, yada, yada, yada. Uh, But basically, you know, uh, (laughs) the FDR wanted to send in the Army and the Marines into the Philippines, basically eject or arrest or whatever, uh, you know, take out any uh, any interned, uh, you know, uh, French troops and tell the Vietnamese, okay, you're united, good luck, uh, and then walk away. Now, granted, you would say, well, that would give the communists carte blanche, but it would also make an impression on the Vietnamese, as it did on the on Yugoslavia. With the, the, whole, I, the whole rationale behind making you know, a deal with Yugoslavia was they hate the Russians more than they love communism. 
Uh, they don't love communism at all, as a matter of fact. Uh, and they were quite willing to side with us. But again, you had a dictatorship in Yugoslavia, communist dictatorship, which is basically a, 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 an unstable dictatorship, as we found out in the 1990s when communism collapsed all over the place. Um, but people will follow their long-term interests. And as we pointed out again and again, Vietnam is constantly you know, uh, at war with, with China. It's been going on for centuries. Uh, it's it's even worse than Korea. I mean, Korea has always been, yeah, all right, we'll make a deal. But the Vietnamese were just nasty about it. Uh, and the Chinese never really could subdue them. Um, so there you are. You know, we basically blew a big chance and we didn't really realize it, you know, in its full import until it was too late. Diana, going to have to go. Right, okay. So we'll uh, end it there. And uh, it, uh, it'll be... I mean, it looks like the Chinese have staked their claim and and nobody really has been able to uh, push them back from it. We'll talk to you. <clears throat> Oops. <clears throat> we'll talk to you both later. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.